scared to talk right now. Are we good? Anybody deaf? You probably couldn't hear me if you were. So anyways, how are you guys doing today? All right, everybody good? All right, we're going to try and backtrack just a little bit. Now we're going to get started. All right, so over this Happiness Is series, we have been, hang on one second. Is that better? All right. We'll go with that. I want to preserve eardrums today. All right, so over this series, we've been asking the question, what does it mean for us to have true happiness in our life? What is the meaning of true happiness? What does that begin to look like? And when we look at our lives, when we look around at people around us, there's, there's almost like we go through this relentless pursuit trying to gain happiness. And it almost seems as if we get left feeling even more empty, even feeling more stressed out, maybe even more burnt out in this pursuit of happiness than we really do having any type of happiness. And so we've been looking at a, at, at a section of Scripture called the Beatitudes, which are some of the key teachings of Jesus. And these are really, each of these Beatitudes is just a simple phrase that has such a profound impact into our life. And so today we're picking up in Matthew chapter 5, looking at the next Beatitude, which is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And this is where Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. You can take that word blessed and you can substitute it and say happy. Happy are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. Now when you think about this, and as I began to think about this idea of, of a peacemaker and somebody who makes peace, I began to think about my relationships and, and I know, and I think that you would probably agree that, that I'm a lot happier, and I bet you're a lot happier when there's peace in your relationships. I mean, when my wife and I have peace in our relationship, it's a much better day. When I go to work and I have peace with my boss, it's going to be a lot better week, right? When I have peace with my friends and my family, we get along so much better, and, and it comes down to having this, this peace and being this peacemaker. And oftentimes, though, if we're going to, to make peace and have peace in our relationships, it takes some hard work. It, it can be hard. It's not always easy. And one of the things that my wife and I have done in our relationship and that we decided when we got married and made a commitment to do was, was not to go to bed with junk in between us. To not go to bed angry at one another, to not go to bed without talking through that conflict, talking through maybe the fight that we were having. And, and this is hard at times. I mean, this leads to some late nights. This leads to some tired days. But you know what? When we stay up and we work on that, when we talk through it, when we make peace in our relationship, it clears up our relationship. So then the next morning, I may be tired, but yet I have peace with my wife. We have a cleared up relationship. We're not carrying the burden of that throughout the whole day. And the thing is that we all want to experience this in our relationships. I mean, if, if any of you here are married, you know you, you really want to have peace to be able to wake up and go to work and know things are cool with your wife or with your husband. We want to have this peace in our relationships, but yet so few of us live like this. So few of us live with this intentionality at reaching peace. So what's the problem? I mean, is it something that we're doing wrong? Is it something that, that 
we, this just isn't achievable, that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, but that's just kind of like a high lofty goal that we can't attain. But I, I don't think that it is. I think it's something that we can all live out in our lives, that we can all be a peacemaker and all have peace in our relationships. And I think we need to, to begin to ask a question about what we're calling peace in our relationships. And if we begin to ask ourselves this, is what you're calling peace in your relationships perceived peace or real peace? When you look at your relationship and you say, yeah, I got peace, is it just a perceived kind of perception of peace? Or is it real, true peace? Now, when we think about this, peacekeeping in a relationship will lead to perceived peace. But peacemaking leads to real peace. I know some of you are just like, dude, that's the same thing. You're thinking, come on, man. But think about this. Think about a peacekeeper. All right, what does a peacekeeper do? A peacekeeper's goal is to keep the peace, to maintain the order, to keep you know, everything kind of going smooth. A peacekeeper might approach it and say, well, don't bring that up when we're at mom and dad's house because you don't want to get them started on that. Don't bring that up at work with this coworker because I just don't want to go down that path. Don't, we're going to kind of keep everything calm. You guys are starting to see it now, aren't you? Start to keep it calm. So a peacekeeper, what they tend to do is they tend to take out the broom, and they're just going to come over and they kick up the rug, and sweep the junk underneath the rug. Cover it up, because if everything is covered, if everything looks good, then we're good. We're, ha- we're having peace. But the problem is, is that when we just seek to cover it up, when we sweep it underneath the rug, when we act as a peacekeeper, it just leads to perceived peace. It may look like it at the surface, but down deep, there is no peace. But real peace comes when we act as a peacemaker. Now, a peacemaker, their mentality is, there is no peace until the junk is gone. There is no peace in our relationship until we are clear. A peacemaker comes into the relationship not with the broom. They come in with the shop vat. All right, some of you guys are like, oh, yeah. But a peacemaker comes in. They're going to flip on the shop vat, and they're going to get the junk out from underneath the rug. I mean, they're getting it all cleaned out. Because what's going to happen is when we get the junk cleaned out, when we come in and clean it all out of our relationship, that then we will experience real peace in our life. And Jesus is saying we need to be peacemakers where we come in and we get the junk out and not just peacekeepers where we just want to cover it all up. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers. And when we look throughout Scripture, we find principles that help us understand what it means for us to live like a peacemaker, and how it is that God says we are to do this. And today we want to look at four mindset shifts that if we can begin to make in our lives and in our relationships can help lead to peace like Jesus is talking about. So we're going to look at four mindset shifts. The first one is God-pleasing over people-pleasing. God-pleasing over people-pleasing. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever, do it all for the glory of God. And in this one simple sentence, there is a profound principle that applies to our whole life. What this is saying is anything that you do in your life, whether you're eating a meal, drinking coffee at Pete's, whether you're driving to work, going shopping, working at home, hanging out with your kids, whatever it is, everything that you do, 
ultimately do it to bring glory to God, to do it to please God in your life. Like everything can go on this. And if we can take this broad principle and understand that everything we do should be to please God and we begin to place this principle on our relationships, where now we, we look at our relationships and we say, God, how can I please you? How can I bring you glory in my relationship? How can I bring you praise in the way that I handle this conflict, in the way that I react to my spouse? God, how can I please you? But so often what happens in our relationships is when conflict arises and there is a lack of peace, we fall back towards people pleasing. We might say, well, I don't want to bring that up because I don't want to make them uncomfortable. When in reality, we're just kind of covering up and saying, I don't want to make myself uncomfortable. Because not many of us here like confrontation. We don't like stepping out of that comfort zone to deal with this junk because it's hard. And so we fall in this people-pleasing of pleasing others and pleasing ourselves. Now, some of you, you may love confrontation. And some of you may know friends or know coworkers who love confrontation too. You guys know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Where like instead of saying, well, I don't want, I want to watch out for them and I don't want to, you know, get anybody. They're like in your face. And they're all up in your grill going down everything that you just did because they, they, that's the way that they respond. But for them, that would be people-pleasing in that scenario. But if we can begin to take this mindset shift away from people-pleasing back to how can we please God in our relationship, and we begin to place that on, then it helps us begin to take steps towards being a peacemaker. Because when we begin to ask the question, what is it that pleases God in our relationships? And we begin to look throughout Scripture, God is big on clear relationships. That if we are claiming to be a follower of Christ and we are claiming to or believing for the God to forgive us through Jesus, that we should also then extend that forgiveness, clearing that relationship, and bringing peace. My wife has often told me about when she was a, a child and a teenager, uh, about being at home growing up. And you guys know there's never any conflict with kids or teenagers, never anybody at. I mean, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. There's never any of that. So, but she said every now and then, every now and then, there might be like a fight or something that would come up or some type of conflict between her and her parents. And what would happen is every time is at, at night when she was going to bed, her parents would come in and one of her parents would come in and kneel down beside the bed and just say, hey, are, is our relationship clear? And even if her parent needed to sit there and say, hey, I got upset with you, I disciplined you in anger, and I need you to forgive me. To where the parent, her parents would even ask her for forgiveness for their actions. And now the people-pleasing side would be, well, I'm the parent. They're the child. I'm not admitting I'm wrong to them. But really what that comes down to is pride on our part, on wanting what we want. But the God-pleasing side of that is coming in and admitting, saying, hey, you know what? I'm your parent. I love you. I, I, I got upset when I shouldn't have. I need you to forgive me. And clearing that relationship because when we clear the relationships, when we come in with that approach and saying, God, how can I please you through this? Then we begin to take steps towards being a peacemaker. The second mindset shift that we need to make in order to be a peacemaker is that we deal with our junk first. Deal with your junk first. Deal with your junk first. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching and he says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank 
in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, when you, when you read this, and I, I love the way that Jesus uses images. I mean, that's why I have a shop back, shop back and broom and all this stuff up here, because it helps us get it in. It helps us understand it. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? You, you look at your, your friend, your brother, your parent, your, your spouse, and you see this small little thing in their life. This thing, the way that they spoke or something they said or this bitterness they have. You see, you see this small little thing. It's so easy for us to look at somebody and say, well, they said this, they did that, you did this, and to point out these little things. But what Jesus is saying is you're looking at this like small, almost like a small speck of sawdust inside their eye. But in reality, what you've got going on is you've got a log hanging out of your face. You're looking at this small speck saying, hey, let me help you get that eyelash out. Did I have anything in my face? You know, Jesus is saying, look, you need to go do a heart check and look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror. Before you start trying to help somebody with the small stuff in their life, deal with the junk that's hanging out of your face and out of your heart. And Jesus is saying, if we just looked in the mirror and if we did a heart examination, we would see that, oh, maybe I have a problem that I need to fix first. Maybe there's something in my heart that I need to deal with before I can even begin to talk to this person about making peace in our relationship. And Jesus says when we look at ourselves and when we remove the log out of our eye, now we can see clearly. Now we can see clearly to go and help the person that we're in the relationship with. Now we can go and begin to talk with them and begin to say, hey, how can we restore this? How can we bring peace? But when we have the log in our eye, we can't do it. So Jesus is telling us we've got to deal with our junk first. You've got to deal with the things that are in your heart first. Oftentimes throughout marriage, when something comes up, I can stop and sit there and say, okay, God, what's going on? Why are we fighting over this? Why do I feel this way? What, what, why did this become such a big deal? And as I begin to pray through some of that and examine my heart, there's times where I can see selfishness and pride creeping into my life and where I have to go back and say, okay, God, yeah, that was a prideful statement. That was a prideful position of mine. God, will you deal with that in my heart? And then I can go back to, back to my wife and we can begin to talk through and I can say, yeah, the reason I responded like that is just pride, just selfishness. And it, it brings it down to where now I understand where I'm coming from. I'm dealing with my junk so that now we can begin to clear up our relationship. See, we have to make the mindset shift of going from pointing out all the little things to other people in other people and now coming back to our heart and saying, okay, what do I need to clean out? What do I need to grab the shop back and stick to my heart and pull out? And we begin to make that shift. We continue to make te- steps towards being a peacemaker. The third mindset shift that we need to make in our relationships to be a peacemaker is combine gentleness and honesty. Combine gentleness and honesty. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Those of you in the church, that's what Paul is writing to. He's writing to the church in Galatians. He says, those of you in the church, if someone that's among you is, is caught in disobedience to God, they're living contrary to the way God has told us to live, and, and you see this in your, in your life, you who are spiritual, 
You who are seeking to please God, you who are seeking to honor Him with your life, you who have dealt with your own junk need to go and help restore them. But he says, restore them gently. Restore them gently. Now, oftentimes we think, oh, you're supposed to be gentle? That means you have to sugarcoat the truth and not tell the full truth. That's what we think. That's how we approach it. But yet, all throughout Scripture, we see even Jesus in his interactions combining gentleness yet with honesty. Where we can come and we can be gentle, but yet we can be 100% honest with the person that we're in the relationship with. Because when we come across this, if we have, are seeking to please God, if we've dealt with the junk in our life and we're coming with this gentleness, then it comes in with the expressing love and care for this person. But what happens often whenever we're wronged is we tend to come into the relationship with the hammer. We don't come in gentle. We come in bringing the heat. Like I'm about to wallop somebody upside the head. I am mad. And we begin just this verbal lashing or this even slander behind the back and just storing all this stuff up. And we're not gentle in the way that we deal with it. And when we bring the hammer down in the relationship, all it brings is destruction. Because when we bring the hammer down, when we're not gentle, what happens is it causes defenses to be built up, it causes things to escalate, and it's not a fruitful conversation at all. And even more importantly, it's not pleasing to God. But yet when we come in with gentleness, it expresses love and care that we have for this person. And you know how it is. If somebody loves you, if they care for you, if you know that they have your best interest in mind, when they come and begin to talk with you, even though that it may hurt and it may be hard to hear, you're willing to hear it. Because you know that they love you, that they care for you, that they're gentle, and they care enough for you to be honest. One of the things I love about our staff is that we have a high priority on keeping clear relationships especially amongst us on the staff. And, and if there is something that happens, if there's a conversation where you're like, is this person mad at me? Like, we're going to talk about it. Or if we do something that hurts somebody, or we see something in somebody's life that, that could cause uh, their character to be questioned, or so, anything like that. I mean, if there's anything that comes up, we are going to go and talk with one another and share it. And I know in the times, like if Andy comes to me to talk to me about something, that, that he has gone to God and is seeking to please God in his life that he has dealt with his junk first, and that he's coming with gentleness and honesty. And one of the things that oftentimes Andy will even say if he's talking to one of us is say, hey, can I have permission to speak into your life for a second on something? And because I know that he cares for me, right? because I know that Archie or Felipe care for me, I'm willing to say, yeah, what is it? And even if it's hard for me to hear because I hurt one of them or there's something that I need to change, I'm willing to say, you know what? Thank you for bringing that up. I'll work on that and begin to walk through that because I know that they're bringing it up because they love me, they care for me, and it makes all the difference in the world when we bring gentleness and honesty. So if we can have the mindset shift of going from bringing the hammer over to now bringing gentleness with our honesty, we can begin to make peace in our relationships. The fourth mindset shift that we need to make is that we prioritize reconciliation prioritize reconciliation. In Matthew chapter 5, once again, Jesus is teaching and he says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is saying is back in this time, they used to go to the temple and they would offer their sacrifices, their offerings up on the altar and place it there. And, and Jesus is saying, if you're there, you're praying, you're offering your, your sacrifice, your offering, and you're there. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, I had that conversation with my friend the other day and that relationship's not clear. Or, you know what, my spouse and I aren't, aren't good right now. Our relationship's not clear. I need to go talk to my kid or, my, or somebody. He says, what you need to do is stop. Call a timeout. Call a timeout right there, right where you're offering your offering, and go. Go to that person. Seek to be reconciled with them. Restore the relationship. Clear the relationship. It's a big deal to God that we have clear relationships, even to the point where he would say, hey, you're worshiping, you're praying, you're serving. Timeout. You need to go make reconciliation. But oftentimes where we're at, when we have been wronged by someone, when someone has a, uh, committed a wrong against us, what we think and what we do is, is we tend to just want to sit back and say, well, they can come to me. They did it. Why do I need to go to them? And we sit back and we just want to wait. But the thing is, is that when we look at what a peacemaker does, a person who is living as a peacemaker, like Jesus says, they don't just sit back and wait, but they go. They go to that person and they seek to make peace in that relationship and to clear it up. They don't just sit back, but go. When I was in college, I was on staff at a church and uh, led one of the college ministries and was preaching at a college ministry there. And uh, before I was about to go preach one night, there was like two songs left before I had to walk out on the stage and, and speak. And I was in the back praying and, and I just felt like God put on my heart a relationship that I needed to clear up with a guy who was a friend of mine, and he was also a leader in our ministry there. We had had a rough couple weeks. You guys know how that goes, where, where you're just getting on each other's nerves. You're annoyed. You're angered. You're everything like that. And I was back in the back praying, about to go up there, and I just felt like God said, you need to go ask for his forgiveness before you get up there to preach. And I'm sitting there praying. I'm thinking, can't we do that later? Like, I, you know, I got like two minutes, and I got to go up here. And I just continued to pray through this and wrestle with God, and I didn't want to get up because, honestly, like, you, you know how it is. You don't want to, that's uncomfortable. And I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to go, and so I just kept praying and praying and praying, and, and I finally just felt like God put it on my heart and said, if you don't go ask for his forgiveness, I'm not going to bless you tonight as you speak. Okay, God. I got up, ran back to the sound booth where he was at, and I just said, hey, man, I was like, we need to talk real quick. I said, this happened, boom, 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 boom. And I need you to forgive me for that. I need you to forgive me for my attitude towards you. Can we, can we clear up this relationship right now? Because I can't go preach unless I know that we're clear. And he forgave me right there. We were good. We cleared our relationship. And then I went up and was able to speak. But the thing is, is that we have to begin to make that mindset shift. We prioritize re reconciliation to the point where we don't sit back and wait. Or we just are willing to stop what we're doing and go to that person to schedule that coffee, to give that phone call, to schedule that time to meet with them, to talk with them, so that we can clear up this relationship. 
And when we begin to, to, to take these mindset shifts and we begin to shift in our minds and say, God, I want to please you over pleasing people in my relationships. God, I want to deal with my junk first. Will you help me begin to deal with it and get it out of my heart? God, I want to combine gentleness with my honesty as I talk and clear up this relationship. And God, I want to prioritize this reconciliation. So I'm going and taking steps to reconcile and clear up this relationship. As we begin to do that, we will begin to experience real peace in our lives, and in our relationships. Because a peacemaker goes and cleans out the junk in the relationships. And when we look at this, when we look at these principles, and we look at what Jesus says, it's important that we all take time to sit here and examine our relationships. To go through, and no doubt as I'm talking, some of you are thinking about relationships that, that you've had strain in, that you have junk in. And some of you today maybe need to go and you need to talk to your spouse after this to clear up your relationship about the argument you had getting ready for church this morning. Some of you parents need to go to your child tonight, kneel down beside their bed and say, hey, will you forgive me for blowing up at you yesterday? Some of you need to go to friends who something happened two, three, four, five years ago and you're still holding on to it. And every time you're with them, you're still just stuffing this down, just trying to keep the peace. But you need to go make peace with them this week. And today, you need to call them and say, hey, can we grab coffee this week? I really want to talk to you. Think about this. How could this week when you go to work, and you have that, that, supervisor, or that meeting with your supervisor or your boss, and you sit there and you talk with them, how could this week be different than last week? Because you're sitting there thinking, Last week, I blew up at them. Last week, I lost my temper. Last week, I talked bad about my boss to all my coworkers. And how could your relationship with your boss all of a sudden be different if you come in and you say, you know what, last week I lost it and I need you to forgive me? Honestly, who does that? Can you imagine if we began to embrace this principle and we began to live as peacemakers in all of our relationships like this to honor God first of all, what a difference that it could make. I think about this for parents. If you came in and you began when your child is young, when they're three, four, five years old, and you begin practicing this, this uh, routine of, of clearing the relationships, asking for forgiveness, imagine how your relationship can grow over the years that now when they're 15, 20, and they continue to grow, and the patterns of success that you set for them in how to handle conflict in relationships. Think about in your marriages how much this can bless you to, to get the junk out so you're not carrying junk in your marriage for 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Think about with your coworkers and at your workplace. If you go to your boss or you go to a coworker, somebody who doesn't go to church, and you say, you know what, I need you to forgive me, they will be astounded because nobody goes and asks for forgiveness like that. Nobody is willing to stuff their pride, admit they're wrong, and say, hey, I need you to forgive me. And when we live like this, when we live as a peacemaker, it stands out as drastically different to all those around us. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The reason he says they're called sons of God is because peacemakers reflect the very character and nature of God. Do you realize that when we look in Scripture that God is the ultimate peacemaker? That it is at His very heart to make peace, and He did that and displayed that through the cross. That He would send Jesus, His Son, to step out of heaven, to come to this earth, to one day be nailed to a cross where His body would be broken, His blood would be shed, all to be a sacrifice for our sins. So that when we place our faith in Jesus, 
When we say, Jesus, I need you to take my sin, I need you to make peace for me with God, that God is willing to forgive, that God extends peace. And it is on the cross that we see the depth of God's desire for us to have peace with him. It is on the cross that we see the the depth of God's desire for us to experience his love and experience his power in our life, to experience his blessing. And here on the cross, God is saying, I am giving peace. And because Jesus faced the cross to bring you peace, now you can bring peace and life into your relationships when you reflect the character of God by being a peacemaker. Some of you today, maybe your next step, what you need to do as a result of this message is you need to say, you know what, God, I need to have peace with you. I need to have peace with you in my life. I need to have you, your forgiveness. I need to have your love in my life. And, and I'm putting my faith today in you, Jesus, for my forgiveness. Others of you, your next step is you need to take time to go to that relationship, to go to that person that you know you've got junk with, and you need to begin to deal with it. You need to begin to say, God, I want to please you. God, I I want you to deal with my side of it. God, give me the words to be gentle and honest. And God, would you help us reconcile our relationship? Don't wait, but do that today. Begin making peace today. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to reflect your character. I thank you that you display peace to us through Jesus. That through the cross that we see just the extent of your love for us. We see the extent of your your grace Would you help us to begin to take this and apply it into our relationships? Would you help us to make these mindset shifts so that we can be peacemakers? We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for David. Thanks for bringing the message today. Such a powerful message on the significance of us taking the step to be peacemakers. And one of the things we talk about over and over again here at South Bay is every week we want to challenge people to take the next step in their journey of faith. So let's go ahead and pull out our connection card. And on that connection card, you can indicate what your next step might be. I talked to one of our band members after the service, last uh, between the services, and he said after the message, he was so stirred in his heart that he went and texted a friend of his that he had gotten in a fight with several years ago. And these next steps are a way to seal what it is that God is doing in us. So at some point over the next couple of minutes, I want you to indicate what are you going to do as a result of today's message. Maybe it's to get more information about following Christ. Maybe it's to actually take this step to follow Christ for the first time. Let us know, and in just a few minutes, some buckets are going to go by, and you can place this in there. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad that you're here. After the service, I'd love to meet you. Several of our staff members and volunteers will be at the Hospitality Center. So just swing by on your way out to your left, and we'd love to give you a gift just as our way of saying thanks for being here. Now, as you're filling out your connection card, we need to have a little bit of a family chat. Um, So if you're a guest with us, I'm going to welcome you into the family chat my dad used to do this when I was a kid, and we'd get everybody on the couches and said, okay, time to have a family chat because we're going to talk about some things coming up uh, for us as a family. So I want to just share with you some very, very exciting news of some things that God is doing in our church, some decisions that we've recently made, and kind of take you on a journey 
South Bay Church is just over three years old. My wife Stacy and I and two other families, uh, Archie and his wife and Felipe and his wife and their kids and dog, uh, we all moved out here to start South Bay Church. There were six of us, and we just had this dream and vision to make a difference on the Silicon Valley. And three years later, God has done great, a great work, way beyond what we had anticipated. But what we saw emerge from the people that we started to reach is this willingness to take leaps of faith and to sacrifice in order to pe- reach more people with God's love. And we've said over and over again, one of our values is to do whatever it takes to reach as many people as possible who are far from God. So what that has meant throughout the course of our history is that we continue to change the way that we're doing things in order to reach more people. That meant that we went from one to two services about a year in, and that first service was full, so we started a second, and it opened up more seats for us to reach more people. Then we went to a third service later that year, and God continued. It's like every time we put out a cup, God filled that cup up again. Now, then we decided that God was leading us to move forward and try to find a more permanent facility. And so we took that leap of faith, and God opened a door. We're, we're in construction on a new building that we're going to move into. But what I've loved is watching you as a church step up in faith and be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to serve, to be willing to move service times, to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God. We've said it's inexcusable for people to come to our church and there for, for there to not be enough space for them for them to come and seats are full and there's no room for them. And so we've decided at this point, as we looked at the trajectory of our church, after moving forward into the new building, here's, here's some information that's really important to know. We're about six weeks away from moving into our new facility at 880 in Brokaw. And we're super, super stoked about that. And God, is, God has provided for us financially, and you continue to give generously, and that's making a huge difference. And what, when we first started this process, though, we, uh, we were seating, we were putting 250 seats in this room. And um, what we continued to do is shove more chairs in here. And when we knew that we were moving forward in the new building, it was going to be a leap from 250 seats to 500 seats. Well, by uh, now, we've gotten over 400 seats in the auditorium here, and every time we put out more seats, they fill up. It's just like God is, has been so gracious, and you continue to share his love with your friends and invite people to come. So in any, at any point when a service starts to hit capacity, that means that the whole church stops to grow, and we, we stop having room for people to, to come to our church. And so... Um, as you can look around, just take a look to the right and to the left. This service is at capacity. Our third service is at capacity. We've gotten people to shift to the earlier service time. But what we, what we realized is when we move into the new building, most of the time when a church moves into a new building, you're going to get another 30% jump of new people coming immediately right off the bat. And so we're going to be full in three services immediately as we go into the new building. And we said, again, we got to keep clearing space. Every time we do, God sends new people that he's working in their hearts. So let's keep sacrificing, keep taking steps forward and leaps of faith. And so, long story made really short, after much prayer and consideration, we believe that God is leading us to go from three to four services after Easter Sunday. Easter will have five services at 8.30, 10, 11.30, uh, 1, and 5 p.m. And then the next Sunday, 
We'll have a 9, a 10.20, 11.40, and a 1 p.m. service with tons of capacity to continue to reach more people. And then we'll move forward into our new building, and I believe that God is just going to continue to blow it up and do way beyond what we could have possibly imagined to help make space for you to connect with your friends, your family members, your coworkers, and your neighbors with the love that God is using to change your life. And so the potential is absolutely limitless. Amen? All right. So you guys can clap. That's good news. So here's what we're going to do. I want to ask you to take a leap of faith and to join. And there are two ways that you can take a leap of faith. The first is to shift service times. I want to ask you to make a missionary move. Some people go overseas to be missionaries. I'm just asking you to move two hours later, okay? And some of you, you, you like that one o'clock service time anyways. You could go out, eat brunch, and then come to church at one. And I mean, you, got, you still have the rest of your day after that to go hang out, and you get to sleep in for a really long period of time. So what we're going to do is we're going to pass out some forms to you right now. And on these forms, these forms have information. Uh, the ushers are going to come, and they're going to pass out some forms to you that have information about shifting service times. And on this form, we probably need like three or four ushers to come. If you, uh, yeah, all the way down here so we can get them out as quickly as possible. So on this, on this form, you will see here that there is a place that you can indicate that you're willing to shift service times. And we're asking about 50 of you to shift, 50 from this service to shift to the 1 p.m. service. And on this form, you can just indicate, I'm willing to shift service times. And in just a few moments, as the buckets go by, you can drop it in. The other key thing I want to ask some of you to do who are not involved in serving is to step up to get engaged in serving. And I want to talk to you about three areas where you can get involved in serving. And the first of those areas is in Bay Kids. And so I want to welcome some of our Bay Kids on st folks on stage. This is Cayenne, like Cayenne Pepper. He's, he works with our Stingrays and... Here's a couple more of our kids. Come on this way, guys, so everybody can see your beautiful faces. Come this way, buddy. Hey, come on this way. I know it's, I know it's kind of exciting to be up here. You want to wave again? Say hi, everybody. So these are some of our Bay Kids, and we believe that what we do on Sunday mornings with the kids is one of the most significant components of our church, that we, we are cooperating with families to see the message of Christ transform homes and gen the next generation. And so each week when we're over here, there are literally over 100 kids in Bay Kids. And I want to encourage you, you can take the step to get involved in serving in Bay Kids. And Kyan's going to tell us a little bit more about what he does with Bay Kids. All right, so I'm a small group leader for the Stingray Boys in the third service. And the thing that I enjoy most working with Bay Kids is the joy we get every Sunday working with these kids. These kids are hungry and they're thirsty to know and learn more about our God. And it's just so great. You know, like every week, I always have problems, whether it's school or work. And I know that every time I go to serve in Bay Kids on Sunday especially, I feel like all that problem is just gone. During that time, I feel like it's just me and the kids learning about God. And we just have fun. We always enjoy. We always, we have, whenever we worship, we enjoy that time. And it's just so fun every day looking at these kids' minds, just learning and just growing spiritually. And it's just been so great. Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot. So what would, what would you say to somebody who, like, at this point, they're like, I don't, I don't really do well with kids. What would you say to them? 
you know, just, just give it a shot, really. It's, these kids, they just want to have somebody there so that you can, something they can relate to. It's just like you're hanging out with your friends. These kids, are, these kids have literally become my friends. It's so great. And you just talk to them and you just enjoy time. Just give it a shot. You, you, if you're nervous, they're really not that bad. Kids are really awesome. So, Thanks, man. Let's give it up for these guys. Thank you. So on that form, uh, there are three different areas. Bay Kids is going to be the biggest need for us as a church. It's going to take about another 50 volunteers to launch that third service, that fourth service. So indicate on that, that form that you'd like to serve. And then we have a huge table to my left. And on your way out, I want to encourage you to swing by there and to sign up. All you need to do is put your name and your email address. And you can.